You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. What is Father Paul's thing? Sometimes a thing is not a thing, especially when there is no thing in Hebrew, just a green. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Verse 25 is interesting. The hail struck down everything that was in the field throughout all the land of Egypt, both man and beast and the hail struck down every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. It is like the flood in Genesis chapter 6. So, the Bible as literature is a powerful title for our podcast, but then you have to make it functional, not, oh, I love that title. No, you have to make it functional. You have to know these things. And for the first time you hear this very clearly on the part of Pharaoh 27, I have sinned this time. The Lord is in the right. The Hebrew is Hasdiq. It is the Hifail of the root Sedek, Sadak, Sadaqah, which means not the Lord is in the right. It is the Lord who makes things right. So please correct that. The Lord is in the right. It's like talking between two teenagers. Who is in the right? He makes things right. And I and my people are in the wrong. We are the wicked. And the Rosh'ah, the wickedness, is the opposite of Siddhaqah the righteousness. So once more, when you're hearing the Hebrew, you don't need any footnotes. It is right there in the text, but this is not what you're hearing in the English, that the Lord is in the right and the others are in the wrong. No! Much more important than that. It brings to mind the entire book of Psalms, the difference between the Rosh'aim and the Saddiqim, the wicked and the righteous. That's what you have here, not right and wrong. Entreat the Lord, and Moses says, I will stretch out Again, it's an interesting root. Those who know Arabic, farash, like the butterfly, we call it farasha. It spreads the wings and so on. Now, guys, those who know Arabic, I'm tough on them. North Americans have no clue how tough I am. I was when I used to go and teach in Lebanon. Absolutely. Because they hear it, but... They understand it through 
because they are room, orthodox room. They translated through the Greek. They read Arabic and they say, let's see what the Septuagint is saying. Come on, friends, you can hear it in Hebrew. I shall stretch open farash. It corresponds to the word which I discuss in my books about Polish team from palash, which means also to open up, to scatter, like Alexander who came from the sea into the Middle East and so on. So please, please uh, take your time and read my books. Forget about the other books. Just read my books for heaven's sakes. But as for you and your servants, in verse 30, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. We talked about the fear earlier. And notice this interesting precision in 31 and 32. It's amazing, the text. The flax and the barley were ruined, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not ruined, for they are late in coming up. I mean, it's unbelievable, this precision. You tell me whether it's written there or not written. What difference does it make theologically? None whatsoever. Then why is it written? To impress upon you that God does what he wants the way he wants it. So start teaching this on your podcasts you who have podcasts and don't follow the path of ancient faith radio podcasts. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, again he sinned yet again and hardened his heart. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. bed. we talked about that again and again and again, but it's worth it to hear it. Chapter 10, we have the locusts Lake number 8. The end of verse 1 reminds you of Isaiah 6 again, that I may show these signs of mine among them. I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. And you have an interesting verb in 2, which is translated, I have made sport of the Egyptians. Now, Allel, those who know Arabic will figure it out, and I'm going to gloss on that. Allala in Arabic makes something non-functional as make someone ill. Ill, I-L-L. Or introduce, because it's the P'a'el causative, a problem. Like if you go to the mechanic, and something is going wrong. You say in Arabic, What is the snag in English? What is not going rightly? What is ailing? See in English the parallelism between ail and ill. Again, these are linguistic asides which I am bound. I must share it with my hearers, otherwise they are not learning anything. They take every tenth podcast a sentence that they like, and then they use it to impress the people. 
That's not scripture. That's abusing me and through me scripture. But that's your burden, not mine. That's the verb Allah. Okay? O ye listeners of mine who know Arabic, do something about yourself and stop being like Pharaoh listening to his Egyptian as the fathers of the church fooled you and said, let's go for Greek, forget Hebrew. The Jews are no better because they don't read Hebrew. They read their Masoretic created Hebrew texts. But it is the original consonantal that is important. In verse 3, we have again an invitation to do that. How long will you refuse to humble yourself? But we don't have this in Hebrew. We have a root from Awon, which is the onus, being under a burden. That's why as one of my students used to tell people, as Father Paul teaches, you can be humble, you have to be humbled. There is a pressure that someone else put on you. And the onus is interesting for me, because in English it has this connotation. Onus can be, this is your duty to do, and it is a burden on you. And I discussed this in my latest books, when I refer to the Massa, which is translated as oracle, but technically in Hebrew is from the verb Nasa, which means to raise up as a teaching. And in the Hebrew there is a play, my teaching is a burden on you. Again, if you doubt me, ask Richard Benton. Okay. Whenever Richard Benton does not contradict me, which is once every ten times, then take that seriously. So it's not that I'm jumping around. Even Timothy Lowe, who used to with all the others also point out at me, you know, too many asides, Father Paul, in his late six months he is after me to keep and extend my asides because this is what I do with him when we call one another. And when we call one another, we do not face time. We speak. And there are no asides. Because if you consider my asides then asides, then according to you, the plagues 2 to 10 are asides. Why not go directly from 1 to 10? It's because the author does what the author wants. Okay, locusts are very important. And this is a metaphor that is used in all the prophets because it eats away your food. People say it destroys your food. No, it eats it before you can eat it. And you have a word, 
in verse 6 arbe which is one of the different words that are used in joel that's very interesting in 1:4 for joel you have to wait hopefully he'll finish it soon richard benton's second book which is on joel where i'm sure if he follow the lead of his first book on hosea he will go in detail about the different names of the locusts and there are intentional Okay, let's move ahead. Verse 9, let's go out with our sons and daughters and our flocks and herds because we must hold a feast to the Lord and we talked about this feast which is under the name of Hag, which is pilgrimage because you have to go out to get to the place the book of Exodus you do not pilgrim to a city as the Jews and the Christians do but they pilgrim to the desert as the Muslims do and in verse 15 at the end we have not a green thing remained and this green thing is very funny ridiculous word this thing like in America you say what's your thing father Paul no here you have yerek one word for green thing which means the green and that you hear about already as early as Genesis at the beginning the green and beginning with 21 the following plague is darkness you see the light and the darkness is very important that's why in the Bible you know if you read especially John in the New Testament darkness and death are the same thing are connected darkness and then blood following so the presentation is I'm not saying intelligent or not intelligent but it is purposeful. It is written the way it is written. Notice verse 24. Very interesting. Go serve the Lord. Your children also may go with you. You see, Pharaoh is smart. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. That's nonsensical from the perspective of the author. Because the herds and the flocks are important on two levels I know we North Americans jump on economy because they need them to drink their milk and eat them and so on yes but in scripture it is also to offer sacrifices go back to Abel in Genesis chapter 4 you see how the author glosses on his being a shepherd and sacrificing its blood but he's sacrificing a member of the flock the lamb and I talked about that so many times let's forego it number 26 our cattle and here cattle is strange I took many many pages to speak about it in my book 
it's a disastrous translation because cattle means like the cows and the oxen. No. Mikne in Hebrew is your possession in animals and in property, all that you possess. That includes the bakar, which is the cattle, and the son, which is the flock. So read my book, and you will see that the RSV moves from Mikneh as cattle and Bakar as cattle. It doesn't work or hurt. You have to hear the original. It's all your possession. And then God hardens the heart of Pharaoh. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.